Hey, y'all. Welcome back as we continue our journey through Jeremiah. And we are on chapter five today as we cruise right along this amazing prophetic book. And Jeremiah was called and it was not an easy call. It was a very hard mission, but Jeremiah was strengthened by God and protected by God. And he spoke the words that God told him to speak. He was obedient and he was faithful. And God honors obedience and faithfulness. And the people around him would not listen. They would not listen to God's word. And God started telling him to act out the message, much like our friend Ezekiel had to do. And this, in chapter five, we see the first of an action sermon, an acting out of a sermon. And Jeremiah is very poetic and I love his his words and how he intertwines everything together so beautifully, but yet still brings the word and the message that needs to bring forth, be brought forth from God. And we'll go ahead and move in with verse one. And in this chapter, we're going to see four different sins that are dealt with of God's people, the people of Jerusalem. In verse one, we'll go ahead and start. Run up and down every street in Jerusalem, says the Lord. Look high and low. Search throughout the city. If you can find even one just and honest person, I will not destroy the city. But even when they are under oath, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, they are still telling lies. Lord, you are searching for honesty. You struck your people, but they paid no attention. You crushed them, but they refused to be corrected. They are determined with faces set like stone. They have refused to repent. Then I said, but what can we expect from the poor? They are ignorant. They don't know the ways of the Lord. They don't understand God's laws. So I will go and speak to their leaders Surely they know the ways of the Lord and understand God's laws. But the leaders too, as one man, had thrown off God's yoke and broken his chains. So when you're yoked to something, you walk together. And God calls us to walk together with him. He leads. We follow his lead and walk alongside him. And he calls out, can you even find one just and honest person in this whole city? Which, keep in mind, these are God's chosen people. This is the city of Jerusalem. These are the people that are that are in a covenant relationship with God, who have experienced his presence, and who know that God is the one true God. And they are so wicked that he can't even find one righteous person. And that reminds me of when Abraham was intercessing, interceding for Lot and the nation of Saddam, the city of Saddam. He was interceding for the lost. And he God calls us to intercede for the lost and pray for the people who are lost and need to repent and, and seek God and find righteousness and restoration that can only be found by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's a lot of wickedness that needs to be broken in our world. So we should be praying all the time, y'all. We're actually called to pray continuously throughout our days and our moments of every single day. And he says, if even one righteous person is found, the Lord would forgive this wicked city and call off the invasion of Babylon. But there's not a single one. And this is the investigation, the investigation of God, where he looks out, he seeks. and, And then Jeremiah even intercedes and says, look, they're poor. They're ignorant. They don't really know. Let's check the leaders. So he checks the leaders and they're even worse. They're following their own way and leading the people in the wrong way also. And 
they're being dishonest, untruthful, wicked, evil. They're killing people. They're oppressing people. They're worshiping false gods. They have false idols in their lives that they're putting before God. And God finds not a single one righteous. And we'll continue in that in verse 6. So now a lion from the forest will attack them. A wolf from the desert will pounce on them. A leopard will lurk near their towns, tearing apart one who dare to venture out. For the rebellion is great and their sins are many. How can I pardon you? For even your children have turned from me. They have sworn by gods that are not gods at all. I fed my people until they were full, but they thanked me by committing adultery and lining up with, at the brothels. They are well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for his neighbor's wife. Should I not punish them for this, says the Lord? Should I not avenge myself? Should I not avenge myself against such a nation? Go down the rows of the vineyard and destroy the grapevines, leaving a scattered few alive. Strip the branches from the vines, for these people do not belong to the Lord. But notice they're leaving. They're le- there's a, a few scattered that are left, and that is the faithful remnant, y'all. And we're going to see that hope of that faithful remnant standing firm as we continue to read. And he's calling out and asking, why should I forgive you? You're evil. You, you're not chasing after me, so why should I help you? He says, call on your false gods and let them help you. And they're using God's gifts, God's blessings to serve their false idols and their false gods and to, to commit sins. And they're worshiping Baal, who was a god they believed would provide rain. And so God holds back the rain in a famine. They're in the middle of a famine, but they still turn to these pagan idols for help when they're nothing but pagan false objects. And it's a lot like us today, we worship everything around us and we don't see anything wrong with it in, in, in general. I know there's a lot of really righteous, amazing people who are repentant and love God with all their heart, soul, and mind and chase after God with all their guts. But in general, our nation is very corrupt. It is very sexually motivated and there's false gods and idols everywhere, materialism, wealth, idleness, gluttony. I mean, it's it's all over. It's It's really really everywhere. But again, there's the scattered faithful remnant who stand firm in faith. And we are a part of that scattered faithful remnant. And we refuse to be shook by the evil, wicked world around us. We can stand firm and remain faithful no matter what. Okay. In verse 11, the people of Israel and Judah are full of treachery against me, says the Lord. They have lied about the Lord and said, he won't bother us. No no disasters will come upon us. God's prophets are all windbags who don't really speak for him. Let their predictions of disaster fall on themselves. So he's saying, look, we're safe. We're in Jerusalem. This is where the temple is, y'all. We have the Ark of the Covenants over here. God's surely not going to strike this place. We're, we're safe. And they were speaking that as if it was coming from God, but it was not. That was not what God was telling them at all. God was sending prophet after prophet to warn them and to, to encourage them to repent. And this is a punishment that's coming. It's not refinement. It's not a testing of faith. It's a, a punishment for blatant disobedience and disregard for God. In verse 14, therefore, this is what the Lord God of heaven's army says, because the people are talking like this, my message will flame out of your mouth and burn the people like kindling wood. Oh, Israel, I will bring a distant nation against you, says the Lord. 
It is a mighty nation, an ancient nation, a people whose language you don't know, whose speech you cannot understand. Their weapons are deadly. Their warriors are mighty. They will devour the food of your harvest, and they will devour your sons and daughters. They will devour your flocks and herds. They will devour your grapes and figs, and they will destroy the fortified towns which you think are so safe. Yet even in those days, I will not blot you out completely, says the Lord. And when your people ask, why did the Lord our God do all this? You must reply, you rejected him and gave yourselves to foreign gods in your own land. And now you will serve foreigners in the land that is not your own. So he's like, you rejected me and you chased after foreign idols and foreign gods. So now you can go ahead and be their servants and serve them. And they're, they're completely unfaithful. That's what is found after God's inspection. And they're not turning to God. They're not per- repenting. They've forsaken the Lord and they're serving idols in their own land, in Jerusalem, even in the temple. They're bringing false idols into the temple. And they're going to be taken over by Babylon and the nation would be completely destroyed. And in that, God still hangs on to mercy and says, look, there is going to be a faithful remnant. There is going to be a remnant that is spared. And that remnant will return to Jerusalem and repair the city and rebuild the temple. There is a preparing coming. And God kept his promise and this all came forth and he gave them warning. He sent prophet after prophet, but they refused to listen. So judgment came in verse 20. We'll continue. Make this announcement to Israel and say this to Judah. Listen, you foolish and senseless people with eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear. Have you no respect for me? Why don't you tremble in my presence? I, the Lord, define the ocean's sandy shoreline as an everlasting boundary that the waters cannot cross. The waves may toss and roar, but they can never pass the boundaries I set. But my people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned away and abandoned me. They do not say from the heart, let us live in awe of the Lord our God. For he gives us rain each spring and fall, assuring us of a harvest when the time is right. Your wickedness has deprived you of these wonderful blessings. Your sin has robbed you of all these good things. Among my people are wicked men who lie and wait for victims like a hunter hiding in a blind. They continually set traps to catch people, like a cage filled with birds. Their homes are filled with evil plots, and now they are great and rich. They are fat and sleek, and there is no limit to their wicked deeds. They refuse to provide justice to the orphans and deny the rights of the poor. Should I not punish them for this, says the Lord? Should I not avenge myself against such a nation? A horrible and shocking thing has happened in this land. The prophets give false prophecies and the priests rule with an iron hand. Worse yet, my people like it that way. But what will you do when the end comes? And he leaves the chapter in that. What will you do when the end comes? Because the end is coming. Judgment is coming. And even today we have that warning. We are preparing the way because Jesus is returning. That's a promise. And he is coming sooner now than it was yesterday. We don't know when. We don't know the hour. But we know that we can live lives faithfully for God. Will we prepare for his return? And we can proclaim his glory, his good news, the saving grace and mercy of Jesus that he died on the cross so we could be saved. And the 
now keep in mind, we'll go back to Jeremiah. He is saying these things to the leaders of Jerusalem and they couldn't have been taken very well. They had to have been angered because they're getting called out for their evil and for their their hearts that are not towards God and for faking it in the temple. And he calls them foolish, senseless, blind and deaf, and that they have no fear of God. And they don't, they don't fear God. They're stubborn and rebellious and they're turning away from God, thinking that that they're fine just because they live in Jerusalem. God does not care where we live. He doesn't care who we work for. He doesn't care how much money is in our bank account. He cares about our hearts and that we chase after him with all of our guts that we're helping those around us, that we reach out and help people who need the help they need, that when, when, whenever we can, in whatever means we can, that we turn people to God, that we reflect God and his character through our lives and through our hearts. That's what he cares about, he, that we have awe of God, that we, that we tremble at his presence, that we respect him, that we know that he is sovereign, that he is glorious, that he is majestic, and that he is God. And we should tremble at the the Lord and we should be in awe of God and we should embrace his presence and love him. We can enjoy the presence of God because of Jesus. And the whole nation had become corrupt. He could not even find one. And the people approved of what was going on. They went along with it and they actually enjoyed it. They were like, this is great. Let's keep doing this. Party on, fellows. And when a whole nation becomes corrupt, that's when there's no hope left for that nation. We always have hope in God and in Christ Jesus because he is our hope. And we know that he's coming again. And we know that evil will be dealt with, that wickedness will be dealt with, and that there is going to be an end. That if we choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we know what we will do in the end because we will faithfully stand among all the other faithful remnant servants who chose God first and foremost, foremost above all and anything else in this world around us. And that concludes chapter five. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a great day.